Welcome to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast for fans who aren't ready to let go and newcomers to the series who are ready to jump in. I'm Drew Shulman. And I'm Marie Vigourou. In this episode, we're diving into Supernatural Season 4, Episode 19, Jump the Shark. Let's get this show on the road. How? How? Two in a row? Two episodes in a row? Can this show do this to me? <laughs> mm. Okay, I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Do you realize how hard it's been to not let this slip at any time? I'm shocked because I feel like I've predicted this in other episodes. Like a big finale to the show will be a revelation. There was a third brother or like a sister or some bullshit. So to find out like in the like virtually the end of season four, after already getting this big revelation with uh, Chuck the prophet that, oh, surprise, you have a little brother. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, geez. Yep. Um, I'm so happy that we can now officially talk about it with you. <laughs> and like, you know what? The funny thing, too, is before I started the episode, I looked at the title and I'm trying to think like, I know what this means. I know what the reference in the title is. OK, it's a it, for those who don't know, jumping the shark is a trope, usually uh, where a show makes a huge change of some sort. Mm. Famously, the original Jumping the Shark was literally jumping a shark on Happy Day. It's when the fawns actually water skied over a shark. Because that happened on that show. So to call something jumping the shark and then doing something as wild as they did is just like calling the shot, but in such a cocky way that I love it. Was I surprised when I first watched it? Yes. Am I surprised in hindsight? No, not at all. This is exactly what Supernatural is going to do to you. I'm mostly surprised that it wasn't written off. Even the way they built the episode that the end result would have been, oh, the whole thing was bullshit. There wasn't actually a little brother. It was all a ploy or a trap or a thing like they expected, which they kind of still do. But then the reveal is, but there but there still was a brother like you still have a dead brother. Deal with it like that was a little more shocking. Yeah, he really was your brother kind of thing. OK, well, before we start uh, recapping the episode without actually recapping the episode, would you like to <laughs> recap the episode? Count me down. Three, two, one, go. Brother's got a phone call. It's some kid going, hey, I'm looking for John. They're like, oh, too bad John's dead. And he goes, oh, no, my dad's dead. And they're like, oh, what? They go to meet this kid. They're convinced he's a demon or a monster or a creature of some sort. So they try all their tricks and traps. None of them work. And they find out that John had a secret second life with another woman and a kid who he raised properly and took care of like a normal human being. But there's still something weird going on in this town. Another case of John not solving the case. And in the end, it turns out the thing they were hunting was ghouls. And it's actually the children of the ghoul that was killed who've taken on the form of John's secret second wife and John's secret second son, their brother, Adam. But they have to kill them because it turns out their real brother, Adam, is actually dead. But they really have a brother at the end recap time. Yep. There you go. That's what it is. Yeah, this was like a heartbreaking episode. Like, I really liked the kid who played Adam. I was like. The whole time I'm thinking, like, there's no way he's going to make it out of this episode. There's no way. Again, I think this is the downside of, like, living in a post-supernatural world. I know there's only two brothers. If a third brother made it beyond even a few episodes, I'm sure I would have found out. So I'm kind of riding this whole, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was nice knowing you, Adam. Enjoy your 15 minutes of fame before you're burned alive. At least this time it wasn't alive. 
let's move into the long game so that we can start dissecting the little pieces of this episode that are going to follow us through the seasons. So this is again another episode where John Winchester didn't actually finish the hunt and Sam and Dean ended up having to clean it up. Again, another one on the column of John just sucked at this job. I mean, if we remember Jose's message, she, she had explained that she didn't really see John as a hunter, but more as just seeking revenge. And I think that that, for me, clarifies a lot of things for him. Like, his goal was never to really save people and hunt the things, right? It was mostly hunt the things to try to get the revenge. And if I can save a couple people, then that's cool. But if not, meh. We also find out, like you said, that John had a son in 1990 called Adam Milligan. And we find out by the end of the episode that Adam is dead. I don't know if you clock the look on Dean's face when he hears Adam say that when John found out he had a son, he drove all night to come and see him. And I just want to remind you that this is the same John who didn't come to see Dean in home when he called him crying and begging for help or in faith when he was dying. I think there's a whole good chunk at the beginning of this episode where Adam is just like, yeah, John was great. Look at all these great things he did. And the brothers are just like, Dean especially, are just seething with rage. There's a moment, I don't know if you noticed again Dean's face, Sam's too, but to a lesser degree, when he asks Adam, he took you to a baseball game? Because again, John never did that with him. And there's also that super tense moment afterward when uh, Adam asks Dean what John did uh, with him on his birthday. We have the answer to that. We, you know, again, whether we want to consider, consider that canon or not is entirely up to each individual person. Now, keep in mind that this episode aired in April 2009. In February of that year, the book John Winchester's Journal was published, and it was basically approved by the makers of Supernatural. And in this book, we find out that on Dean's 18th birthday, John sent him on his first solo case, which consisted of basically killing the ghosts of two lesbian nuns. That's what John Winchester did with Dean on his birthday. Yeah, no, that is one of those things that's come up a few times in the show. I'm very aware of it. And that was top of mind when that conversation happened on the episode. We have a little moment of rock, paper, scissors that we haven't quite seen in a while. So that was nice. Yeah, I can't remember if we've seen it before, but I almost want to like keep track of like who wins and who does what. Like, I feel like it'd be a weird like I could see it being one of those things where he like always throw he, like Dean always loses rock, paper, scissors for some reason. Have you not been keeping track? I don't think I have. I think it's been too long since we've done it. I've lost track. We've literally never seen Dean win. Okay, I, that's what I thought we were at. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's. we've never seen him win. I can't remember if we've actually mentioned this before, but this entire season, Dean is very careful, which is a little bit unlike him in the previous seasons. And Sam sort of sees it as like him being afraid or just not being himself or even not being fit for the job. But like when the cemetery director asks Dean if he's thought about where he might like to spend eternity, Dean responds all the damn time. And I feel like, again, this is because this season he's had hell on his mind. He's really careful about his life because he's afraid that he might end up back in hell. There's been a weird edge to Dean this season where he seems to be a lot more of the let's take a step back. Let's think about it before we act versus the little more gung ho he used to be. Not so much in the way that he was like self-sacrificial. That was even a step beyond that in his uh, in his last little while. But like between the two, he was always a bit more of the like screw planning. We can do something. And now he's much more of the take a back seat. Let's take a minute. 
Let's figure this out. Let's think about this. Yeah, exactly. Like, we don't need to get involved. We don't have, like, that kind of prep. You know, like, he's the one who kind of is thinking about things or thinking things over a little bit more. I want to highlight the phrase, he's a Winchester, he's already cursed. Yeah, somehow I feel like that line will come back to haunt us. And finally, the ghoul at one point says, we are what we eat. And I just want to ask you, what has Sam been consuming lately? Oh, yes, I will admit I kind of like that little spice of flavor we got in this episode. Uh, pardon the pun, where even the ghouls mentioned the blood tastes different. There's something about it. I imagine <laughs> them swirling. So it. <laughs> They're just swirling blood in a snifter with a monocle on like. A bit of a spice to it. I'm not quite sure what it is. <laughs> Add a little bit of spice. <laughs> With all of that, shall we head into story time so we can discuss the brothers a bit more? Yes, please. This week, our theme is second chances. Who are we starting with? I want to start with Dean. Let's go. I find that Dean in this episode gets a second chance to protect a sibling from hunting life. Like, he was never able to protect Sam from it the way that he would have wanted to. And that's really one of his biggest regrets, even though it was in no way his fault. I want to make sure that we're all clear on that. Uh, it's not up to a child to protect a sibling from a dangerous activity that their parent partakes in. Again, John Winchester, I'm under your bed. But Dean would for sure feel guilty about it, right? So here he would have a second chance or he would have the chance, I guess, to protect Adam from the life. He can't because Sam, well, I mean, you know, Sam is also going through his own stuff, which we'll talk about later. And I think that Dean sort of hides behind the, we need to respect dad's wishes, but honestly, I don't really buy it. Like, I think that he's just trying to convince Sam not to tell Adam about hunting in a way that Sam would actually listen to. And right now Sam is like all, dad was the best. My dad was a hero. Yeah, that role reversal, we'll talk about it a bit more on the Sam side, I think. But like, wow, was that a really weird case? Yeah, Adam acts kind of as a great catalyst for both of them, just in regards to like how they view this, how they view Adam as a second chance at something they missed. Like you said, with Dean, it was very much a chance to basically take the bullet, dodge, get someone else to dodge the life they're stuck with. I couldn't get a moment out of my head while watching that happen. And that is the flashbacks in the Supernatural Christmas episode when Dean reluctantly tells Sam about what John really does. And watching Dean watch Sam do that to somebody else, that hurts. And I, you could see it in Dean. Like he tried to stop him and just didn't know how to. Honestly, this, this episode is really, really painful. And the only thing that makes it just a little less painful is, like, there's two things. It's one, knowing that Adam, like, that the Adam that they're talking to is not actually Adam. And then two, the fact that Adam is a grown-up. Because if Adam was a kid and we would see this happen, it would just be absolutely awful, honestly. Like, As much as I'm very much on Dean's side this week, as I think I have been for the last few of these, when there has been conflict, the fact that this is a like grown young adult makes it at least stomachable from Sam's side. It makes me a little bit less angry with my tallest bean this week. I now just had a moment of picturing Sam doing that exact same scene of it, teaching him to fire in like a gun, but it's like a four-year-old. <laughs> and suddenly it's a lot funnier, but a lot darker. Well, when you think about it, Dean, Dean's first sawed off, he made when he was, what, six, nine, eight, around that age? Around my child's age, you know what I mean? Like, 
And that's also the thing, right? Like he's also getting like a do-over in terms of telling Sam that he shouldn't be telling Adam things like, you know, hunting his life. You can't have these kinds of connections. Because like, yes, we find out that John said this to Sam before he left for Stanford in this episode, but it's also actually something that Dean told Sam and Skin in season one. So like we've heard Dean say those words. So the words were passed down, passed down, sorry, from John to Dean to Sam to Adam. And like, if that is not just the saddest thing and like the biggest warning in how important it is to break those cycles, those toxic cycles of abuse, like, I don't know what is. So like, Dean is really getting a second chance to realize that he was wrong in that moment. And even more importantly, that what his dad did was wrong. Yeah, and while it does appear on the surface that Dean, basically any argument of like, how do we handle this whole Adam thing, Sam kind of takes charge and Dean is kind of left you know, in the dark, he definitely does learn the most from this. I don't feel like we'll get to Sam in a minute again, like, but I feel like Dean really has an opportunity to learn from this and is now seeing it more and more. I mean, if it wasn't clear already to us that like Dean has figured out that John is the worst as well, he is now seeing it even a step further. Yeah, I feel like he's kind of like in in the process of learning Like in earlier seasons, he was like going from like, oh, he was a hero to like he was an asshole. And here in this one, he's sort of like, or at least now, I think he's starting to realize a lot of things about who his father was and to be able to see. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have some thoughts about this a little bit later. I haven't quite formed them yet, but I think that we're getting to something really interesting. Yeah, it's a weirdly complicated episode. It's not as I feel like most other episodes is really easy to be like. Here's our theme. Here's how the brothers instilled that theme within their actions. And here is what did or didn't work. And this one just feels like it leaves so many loose ends, but in a way that makes sense. Well, in the way that they would happen in life, I think. Like, obviously, there wouldn't be a goal, right? Like, we can all agree on that. But I think that this episode isn't really neatly wrapped in a bow because these kinds of interactions in life and these kinds of realizations aren't neatly wrapped in a bow. I also think that we've been talking a lot about Dean kind of like being able to go back and heal his inner child. I feel like this is happening right now in a way. It's it's almost like an externalization of it to him. With that, shall we move over to Sam? Sam gets a second chance at being a big brother or a first chance, I guess, at being a big brother. I mean, I do say second chance because if John had been a normal human, I mean, they would have known Adam way before this, right? Like Dean was 11 when Adam was born and Sam was seven. And I think here that it's important to put words on subtext and say that the reason why both Sam and Dean get a second chance at something in this episode is because John robbed them of their first chance. Like, this whole episode is the result of a John fuck-up again. Oh, 100%. You know, I hate even thinking this, but, like, it kind of feels like Sam is getting a second chance at a hunting partner, almost. You know, we've discussed previously how he feels about Dean, and Dean's kind of holding him back. So here is this new, malleable little meat uh, meat and clay that he can form into the perfect hunting buddy who will always be his yes-man. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I don't like thinking it, but I feel it a little bit in the way he's treating him. And like even the extremeness at which he discusses it with it. And as 
Dean brings to our attention is John's words being repeated. In fact, they're the words that John used to scare him off to Stanford. I almost thought Sam was going to turn around and say, what do you think I'm trying to do? I'm trying to scare him out of it. He is completely on the opposite side of Dean, where he really gets a second chance to see the value in what John taught him all those years. And just to be clear, I don't actually agree with him, but I think that that's where he is in that moment. Like, to pull a quote from the pilot, if a kid were to come up to him and say that he's afraid of the monsters under his bed, like, he would literally give him a 45. Seeing Sam, who for so long was against that, and is now literally preaching John's words at this new character. I think that says so much about what Sam has turned into over these last season or so. It's episode 19 of a 22 episode season. So things are ramping up. This is one other example of that. Is there another place in the episode where second chances show up? Oh, there is, and I hate it. Oh, tell me. (laughs) John... John got a second chance at a normal life. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) The one person who so doesn't freaking deserve it. And here he is with a wife and kid who are just totally fine with their dad, the mechanic, going out of town for weeks or months at a time, not asking questions about his past and not, you know, dealing with any of the repercussions of his, his world, just getting to go to baseball games and live happily ever after. I'm so angry that you said this. (laughs) And notice that he did not involve Sam and Dean in this second chance. He literally never told them about it. No, all for himself. All for himself. Oh, Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) I'm so mad. (laughs) And this is the man who's getting a spinoff? Oh my God, what is this? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I need to shake this off. My observation is that the is it's an obvious one, but we haven't actually named it. It's the ghoul, the ghoul getting a second chance to kill everybody that John Winchester ever knew. No, this is literally like as much as it becomes a story of revenge in the sense of like, that's how their positioning again revenge is like a surprisingly heavy theme in this episode too that is sam's drive for what he does that and even adam has a moment where he's like but you've gotten your revenge so you're done sam's like no and remembering now that that is the ghoul adam who is also out for revenge against sam hearing this is like what a weird like scenario to be in being like oh i'm doing all this to get to you You're telling me I'm going to keep going after this? That's a weird thing to tell me. And again, I'm kind of thinking about Dean's role in all this, especially if you compare it with the very early season where Dean was the one, you know, moving forward the drive for revenge and how now he's like, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, yeah, it feels like, I mean, obviously he doesn't love Lilith. Like, I think we can all agree on that, but he's not the one chasing her down to, to get his own revenge for her sending him to the hell it's sam all right let's move on to critical time before we bum each other out too much i'm okay with that so who was behind this surprisingly upsetting episode (laughs) well obviously it would be andrew dab and daniel laughlin this is the duo that gave us yellow fever and after school special 
Mm-hmm. This episode was also directed by Phil Scritchia. A classic. A classic. All right, Drew, can you tell us a little bit more about ghouls today? Your friends never get tired of making the most boring jokes. Working the graveyard shift at an actual graveyard just delighted them. Honestly, I'm a night owl anyways, and the gig pays ridiculously well. I've worked security a lot of places, and mostly it's the same. Sitting around, listening to a podcast, or some music while keeping an eye on the security feeds. Sometimes, depending on the place, tour around, check doors and such. The cemetery came with its share of spookier nights, but eh, they didn't ask much of me. Except tonight. I came in for my shift to find the owner still there. Usually the groundskeeper would be alone and just wave as he passed by, and... That was it. The owner wasn't alone, though. He was surrounded by cops. There were a lot of them. I slipped off my headphones and took off my coat as I walked over to see what the commotion was. It would seem a family had come by to pay respects during the day and, um... Noticed a terrible smell in the grounds. This would not normally be a case for the police until the source was found to be a mausoleum that had been broken into and many of the bodies torn apart inside. Luckily... I was late to the event and missed the cleanup. After the police left, my boss made sure I was okay working the night, and as normal, I found myself doing what I always did, though with one headphone slid back so I could hear my surroundings, you know, just in case. Luckily for me, I did this because I would have missed the doorbell otherwise. It was one of the officers from earlier today. She asked if she could patrol the cemetery with me as she wanted to see if there was, you know, any place that might have a, been a better point of access under the cover of night. So, we did the normal route, and she stopped to investigate the walls or fences in some places, and then she went to check on the scene of the crime. She stepped inside, and I waited. I waited a little too long. Something felt strange. I stepped inside the crude opening that she had stepped through and shone my flashlight around. At least I spotted her almost immediately, on the ground. Surrounded by what I knew was dried blood on the ground. I felt a hand on my back and heard her voice not coming from the corpse in front of me. All I heard was, thanks for the tour, before something struck me on the back of the head. They got ghouls almost exactly right. They're a creature from Arabic folklore, sometimes uh, included with the jinn or demons. They were popularized in the West after a translation of some Arabic stories, including the famous A Thousand and One Nights. Pretty much exactly what they were described as in the original uh, Arabic lore. They are a creature that eats corpses. Some have been known to go a little more extreme and go after the living if they had a particular vendetta or reason to. That's really interesting, because I also want to talk about the writing team today. <laughs> I want to talk specifically about Andrew Dabb because he's going to be the co-showrunner of the series like from season 12 to season 15 along with Robert Singer. This might be controversial what I'm about to say because he's a bit of a no, he's a very polarizing figure in the fandom, but I I really think that he is great when it comes to the Brothers Orange origin story. I really find that he and Daniel Laughlin really like you said nailed Sam and Dean in this episode and their growth over the last four seasons and more. And like a moment that we don't talk about enough as a fandom is when Dean tells Sam that he's more like John than Dean will ever be, despite basically having tried to emulate him his entire life. 
Like that just encapsulates these two characters so well in just a couple of lines of dialogue. And Sam says that he's going to take it as a compliment. And then Dean replies that he can take it however he wants. Like we've talked about how Dean's understanding and like his vision of John has been shifting since his death. And like, this really feels like a milestone because all of a sudden he's not really like swinging as much back and forth between like, my dad was a hero and my dad was an obsessed bastard. He's starting to see him with a bit more clarity than before. And he's also like realizing that he has conflicting feelings about him. You know, on the one hand, he loved him. And, you know, despite how much we hate John, Dean loves him, loved him, and will always love him, looked up to him, and basically tried to be just like him. And then on the other hand, like this person that he loved so much also took almost everything from him. And he's just like starting to wrap his head around like those two, those things can all coexist. And that is incredibly scary. Yeah, like the realization that someone is more than just the image of them you have in your head or the image they present to you, you know, learning that John can still be the man who raised him and taught him how to do all the things he's good at, but was still a bad person in a lot of ways. People contain multitudes. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like I think Dean had been so trained to see his dad one way that like, I think this is, this is, what we're seeing is him healing, right, in his own way. And uh, I really cherish this moment because it's, it's so rare that we see that in Supernatural. Thank you, Andrew Dabb and Daniel Laughlin, for this moment and for this episode, because it does set up a lot of really, really cool stuff. Yeah, no, we get a lot out of this episode. Uh, you did your lore really good. Uh, that line, the you are more like dad than I could ever be, like that is, ugh. I'm surprised it was long to get to that line, but it was like a heartbreaker. Right, exactly. But for me, it's like the follow up too, right? Like, I'll take that as a compliment. You can take it however you want. Like he's, he's again, he's enacting his own boundaries. Dean is enacting his boundaries and saying like, I don't really care how you decide to take it. I know what I meant. And that's what matters to me in this moment. Like, wow, Dean, congrats. That's amazing. Just such a powerful moment and good for Dean. All right, let's go and uh, hear from our community. This week, we have a message from Stella. Before we listen, we want to remind you to send us a three minute voicemail. Where do you see second chances in Supernatural? What second chance do the brothers wish they had? Or respond to something else entirely that we discussed today. You can use the recording app on your phone and just email us the recording at carryingwayward at gmail.com. Hi, Drew and Marie. A big fan of your podcast. I'm making my way through your season one episodes right now. Uh, so I know you're already well into season two. And I'm really looking forward to you guys going through the entire series. I was the biggest fan for the longest time. I actually watched that first premiere episode pilot the night that it aired and kind of kept that up for, you know, maybe the first six, seven, eight. I think I dropped off in eight. I kind of drifted away. But uh, yeah, it's been really fun to revisit all of 
the thing that I used to obsess over the longest time when I was in high school. So, and well into my young adulthood. Anyway, uh, this voicemail is actually for season four, episode 19, Jump the Shark. And I just wanted to send it in and kind of thank it. Um, I thought it just occurred to me a little while ago that I kind of have a funny little connection to this particular episode. And, you know, forgive me, it, it may be a little too like TMI, a little too my life specific, personal, but it, it's also kind of weird. Uh, it's a weird little coincidence that, you know, I figured, why not? I'll share. About, oh God, I don't really remember the timing of it. No more than a month, but probably closer to like a couple of weeks. I found out um, from my mom that my father had another kid. Um, so, uh, like full disclosure, my parents divorced. Nobody ended up on the ceiling, you know, engulfed in flames. It was normal, you know, the, the thing that actually happens in real life, not the weird fictional stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, my parents had me, the eldest child, and then I have a younger brother. But I also have this half-brother who I've never met. Um, who's younger than the both of us, just out there in the world. And yeah, when I found out, I was just like, okay, okay, that's, that's different. You know, um, that's, that's a lot to unpack. So I'm going to do the healthy thing and just not unpack it. I'm just going to put it up on a shelf and I'll, you know, I'll deal with that in the future when I, you know, have no choice. Uh, silly me though, maybe two weeks later, uh, that box that I put up on the shelf just comes spilling out, uh, when Jump the Shark airs. And I'm sitting there fully blindsided because I don't remember if they mentioned in the promo from last week that there was going to be this, you know, secret Winchester kid. I thought that was just a fanfic trope. Turns out, we're going to fully jump the shark here. It's real. I, when I tell you that I have never projected that hard into a fictional character, the way I did when, you know, Dean Winchester is standing there staring through that photograph of his father, their shared father, and this other kid, this Adam, this, who is Adam, and they're at a baseball game, like, I, I can't say for sure, I'm not the writer, I'm not the actor, I'm definitely not Jensen, and I'm, you know, I'm not the director, I don't, I don't know, but I also, I kind of do, because, you know, I literally had just at this moment, the same moment, maybe not with, you know, poorly photoshopped photographic evidence, but I had had that moment where I was confronted with the fact that my father had a different kid. And yeah, I mean, we, we find out later that Adam, the character, is a posthumous character. He's been dead the entire time. The person standing there talking about the photograph is this ghoul. And... I don't really remember if it was 
clarified if it was if they're like the shapeshifter where they kind of they take on the memory of you know whoever they've you know taken the guise of or if it's you know whoever they consume they kind of take that inward i don't know this is all just speculation just wild speculation here ultimately ultimately though it doesn't matter because you know like he can say whatever he wants yeah it's a birthday present or you know it didn't happen often or it did happen like it it doesn't matter what he says because in in dean's hand is photographic evidence that his father treated this kid differently than he did his own kids because you know he never took dean to a baseball game he said as much and he didn't do it with sam either we we know we we know how john treats his kids or we thought we did because dean thought he did because why would he treat them any differently but now we know he did treat them differently so now we're <laughs> confronted with the idea that what's different between Dean and Sam and Adam because it would have been fine if it were Sam you know he he would have been happy for him but I Adam is an unknown quantity is Adam special like just oh my god the, the spiral the horrible circular thoughts of just like what did I do wrong why am I different why is this kid different oh my god like i i know other things happened in this episode but that scene lives forever like ingrained in my brain because it was everything that i thought and then pushed away and then had no choice but to deal with in about uh, less than a minute it's a really short scene anyway um yeah i just wanted to share that because it was super weird uh i've never had that kind of just like real life and then fictional life but it's the same life at the same time and yeah i just wanted to share that because it was weird so anyway um really enjoying the podcast cannot wait until you get to this episode cannot wait for you to get to the weird seasons that i didn't i wasn't there for because hell i i guess i'll i guess i'll just jump back on board this train it's fun um yeah, keep it going. Carry on. Stella, first I have to say that I'm very sorry for making you jump back onto that train that is supernatural because it is a train wreck and uh, <laughs> we don't want to drag people down with us. <laughs> but we are happy that you're along for the ride and we'll try not to crash and burn at the end. Yeah, I mean, your message really, really touched me. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. I'm going to talk a little bit more during my reflection, but I also have a much younger half-brother that I only learned about later in life. Not so much later in life, but definitely after he was born. So yeah, this episode is a bit, is definitely bittersweet for me. And I, I really relate to what you're saying about how Dean must have been wondering, what is it about him that made his dad act this way with him? And I think that that is such an example of like a wounded child, because it's never the child that does anything for the parent to act a certain way with them. It's the parent's fault in this case. 
that he was treated that way. It wasn't his and it wasn't Sam's and Adam's not any different than him. And it's not Adam's fault that Dean got treated badly. And yet I completely understand Dean being jealous of him and being envious and, and just kind of spiraling down those thoughts. And I, and that's kind of why I say that I think this episode is incredibly important because you see Dean kind of going through that, but then also realizing that it was never about him. It was always about John. This was not his fault. It was John's. So thank you for bringing that to the conversation. Yeah, Stella, thank you so much for having the strength to share that with us. I will be honest, as shocked as I was with the episode, I did not expect our voicemail to follow suit. Yeah, it's apparently a more common story than we think. (laughs) I mean, I've had family secrets on that same level come to fruition recently, and I've known about some family secrets that came to light in similar veins back in the day. So families are just weird is what we're learning today. The more out there things you think you hear about are sometimes more commonplace than we expect. But being able to share with us the way it made you feel, I think, helps us have a better understanding of how the brothers would feel as much as we discuss Dean and some of those key moments. But you really got to think about, like, there's probably a part of Dean that, like, didn't want to believe it more than he thought it was like a fake just because it seemed so outlandish and he didn't want to have to reckon with it. There's that level of disappointment when he figures out, like, this isn't a shapeshifter or a you know, a demon of some sort and, you know, getting someone else's real human experience about this really does help, uh, help us understand and connect to the character. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today. And thank you so much for bringing it to our show and joining us on this crazy ride. And hopefully you and I can enjoy some wackier seasons down the road. (laughs) Let's head on down and uh, reflect on this episode. I have a feeling we're going to be on the same subject here a little differently, though, and that is going to be siblings. <laughs> ah, siblings. And uh, well, none, none of mine were um, secretly kept for me, despite my father's surprise uh, second marriage we didn't know about from before my, my mother. Or first marriage. <laughs> first right. marriage. Sorry. Yes. That my mother is the second marriage and there was a first marriage. No kids in that one that we know of yet. <laughs> Just saying I may have an older sibling I have no idea about, but fairly sure we don't so far. The marriage only lasted a month, apparently. That's enough for a child. I'm just saying it is. But it just reminds me that, like, as much as we make such a good big deal in this show by talking about found family, you know, sometimes that found family, the people you choose to connect with, are still family. And, you know, I watch my wife who talks to her sister on a literal daily basis. They are best friends. And, you know, I just got off a weekend of seeing my my brother who still lives in town and getting to connect with him. We're actually planning his birthday right now, his 30th. And, you know, I bought a little brother off in, you know, the mountains of British Columbia doing engineering of sorts and being a smart kid. You know, it just it reminds me that it's good to reach out to them and reconnect sometimes. And as much as we send each other the occasional meme in the text, it's I think we're overdue for a little brotherly FaceTime get together chat day. And you, my dear. Yeah, well, I mean, if I'm being entirely honest, uh, this episode is usually a skip for me because it's just, I find it too painful to watch during rewatches. So a part of that is the whole Winchester curse, but also another part is that I have an Adam as a little brother. Uh, You know, I have a half brother who's 14 years younger than me. He's currently getting an undergrad in economics, which was my undergrad too. I'm very proud of him. I mean, in this episode, Sam and Dean finding out about him, like it just, it hits home in a lot of ways and it 
brings me back to a time that was incredibly painful for me as a teenager. And so my call to action, because even though like the episode is really painful, I love my brother like so much whenever I, I, I see him or talk to him or whatever, like I'm always like, oh my God, I can't believe like you're my brother. This is so cool. You know, like we didn't grow up together and yet there's still a bond, which I think is really cool. So yeah, my call to action is to send him a text because I miss him and I hope that we can FaceTime this weekend. Oh, look at us being all adorable and lovey with our siblings. Yeah, there you go. As much as it can be tough to be dealt the hand you're dealt, sometimes you can make the best of it and find the right connections in there. So everyone find someone you love and send them a text. Text your siblings if you can. You've been listening to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast produced by Rochelle Castellano, hosted by Mary Vigouhou and myself, Drew Shulman. Thank you to our Bunker patrons, Katira, Michelle, and Elle, for their generous support. This week, we'd like to thank Stella for her message. Help us keep the conversation going. You can send us a three-minute voice recording at carryingwayward at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube using at carryingwayward, and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast service of choice. And don't forget to join our coffee or Patreon for perks and extra content. You can use the links in all of our social media bios or go directly to carryingwayward.com. Carry on our wayward friends. Mwah, mwah. So is it the...